the minute you hear or someone you love hears that they have cancer, the very first thing I would encourage them to do or you to do is get a referral to a, an oncologist. And your oncologist is someone who you're going to want to feel very comfortable with. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt. Today, my is Diane Danowski-Smith, who is the founder of Answer to Cancer. Diane, how are you? I'm good, Matt. I'm so glad to be here today to talk about this important topic. And I wanted to ask you first, before we get into everything, what is Answer to Cancer and how did you start it and why? So Answer to Cancer is like so many of us, we have a labor of love that comes about from personal experience. And seven years ago, almost exactly seven years ago, I was faced with an advanced cancer diagnosis. And as I went through my cancer diagnosis, I learned along the way that there were so many things that I didn't know I didn't know, which is kind of interesting because I've worked in the healthcare field for many, many years. And still, I was surprised at things that I wished I would have known when I got diagnosed and I wish someone would have told me. And so as I went through my cancer, I kind of like to joke, I seem to have been the poster child for the side effects of the medicines and the therapies. But I went through every possible cancer experience from many rounds of chemotherapy to radiation to surgeries to post-op therapy and then some sort of longer lasting effects of cancer. So as I went through this, I had the realization that other people who were going through cancer probably were feeling some of the same frustrations that I had and where were we all turning for help and my diagnosis was advanced colorectal cancer and so there's lots of resources for some other cancers like Komen for breast cancer but I struggled to find the resources that I needed and I didn't know who to talk to so I just started asking questions and so then I started to do some research and this is maybe a longer answer than you wanted your question but but I started to do some research and and I came across some very interesting medical research written in some very well-known medical journals and showed a very positive correlation between patients who were engaged and empowered in their care. Statistically, those patients have much better outcomes. So I started to think, you know, the answer to cancer is me. If I become engaged and empowered in my care, if I continue to ask those questions and if I continue to seek information and things that work for me and can help me, then I'm sure there are other people that can benefit from that. So that's a little bit about how Answer to Cancer got started. Technically, it got started on my picnic table in my backyard over the summer as I was healing. When I had my first set of cancer, then it metastasized to my lung. And so I had to potentially go through many treatments again. And so I realized that now was the time to think about helping others and how to be engaged and empowered in their care so they can have better quality outcomes and a better quality of life. Sure. And don't worry about having answers too short or too long. (laughs) We have as much time as you need to explain the answers. There's no time limit on our (laughs) podcast. So there's a couple terms there, maybe that you could define just for our listeners who may not be aware. So you said you were diagnosed with advanced cancer. Does that mean that it was something that could have been detected earlier or it had gone for a long time undetected? Yeah. So colorectal cancer tends to be 
diagnosed in later stages and often because it's one of the silent cancers where you're asymptomatic. You don't have any symptoms. You're fine. You're moving along in life. And then one little thing happens and you scratch your head and you think, hmm, that's not the way it should be. And that's what occurred to me. I found a symptom that finally showed itself. And so even though I went to the doctor in very, very short order, I was still at stage three. And the other challenge is that colonoscopy screening are typically prescribed for people that are 50 or over, and I wasn't 50 years old. Also, if we look at the trending data, colorectal cancer is trending in people much younger than 50. It's trending down to, I think the average age now for initial diagnosis is like 46 or 47. So we're too young to get those screenings that we need, and we sure don't think that we're ever going to be a candidate for that kind of cancer when we're young, when we're younger, I should say. You said you were stage three. There's five stages. Is that correct? There's four stages. Four stages. And the the higher the number of the stage, the kind of further along it is. Exactly. And then also the other thing that you said is that it had metastasized in your lung. What does metastasized mean? So as I went through my cancer treatment, you know, of course, cancer cells are very small. And once they get into Mm -hmm. your bloodstream and granted, I'm not a physician or a medical provider. So I'll tell you just what I understand. But this is not an intention in any way to give medical advice. That's my disclaimer. We don't give medical Um, advice or legal advice on our podcast ever, just for everybody who's listening. (laughs) Exactly. So my personal experience is those little cancer cells are small. And even though I was getting great treatment, treatment and pretty aggressive treatment and aggressive care. One of those cancer cells found its way into my bloodstream. And it's common that the metastasis for cancer most commonly occurs in two places in our body. It occurs in the liver or the lungs. Those are places in our body that exchange. So the air gets exchanged in our lungs. So there's a lot of activity going on. So that tends to be where cancer can metastasize. When it got to my lung, we did find it because I was having regular regular scans afterwards. When you, if you go through a cancer treatment plan, you're going to be under the care of an oncologist for as much as five years or more. So I was having regular, my regular follow-up CAT scans. And about eight months after I thought I was done with treatment, I went in for a routine. We need to just make sure, keep in check on you. This is just part of your regular cancer, what we call cancer control checkup. And Sure, they found a very small metastasis had gone to my lungs. So I had to re, I had to go through much of the treatment again. So that was hard. It was hard to get diagnosed the first time. It was hard to hear that even though I tried to do everything I knew how to do, that the cancer had yeah. metastasized. But we found it, found it very, very small. That's good. At least they found that it was small. And I mean, you're still here. So I mean, right. things have, have gone fairly well good. so far then, right? Yeah. That's good. In fact, happy news. I should say that just even a few weeks ago, I passed my five-year anniversary of being cancer-free. So, nice. Congratulations. Um, so that's, that's the best survivorship testimony ever. <laughs> that's right. And we'll get into a little bit more about, about what Answer to Cancer does. And I know you have a big event coming up. And we could talk about that in a minute, too. But why do you think Answer to Cancer is so important now? As I mean, obviously, it's important all the time, but now more than ever. 
Yeah. So I came across a couple weeks ago, a very interesting article and it's in health magazine. I don't know if if, any of your listeners get that magazine, but just to synopsis, summarize, excuse me, the, the article, there was a study done by the Epic Health Research Network. And, you know, for people outside of the healthcare industry, they may not know, but Epic is the manufacturer and maker of the electronic medical record systems that many and most hospitals and clinics and healthcare organizations use. So, you know, that's where your health records are kept and maintained. Well, what they did is they did this very interesting study and they looked at the flow of people and the volume of people coming in for preventative cancer screening appointments. And they looked at all their data from January of 2017 to January of 2020. Now that was before we really knew and heard about COVID. So they took those average monthly appoint number of appointments, sort of the data there, And they compared it to the number of screening appointments scheduled in March of 2020 when we were in the full throes of COVID-19. And sure enough, the average monthly number of cancer screening appointments were an average of 85% less than they've been, which means that 85% of the cancer screening appointments that needed to happen weren't happening. And it's really because COVID-19 precluded us from leaving our homes. Many patients had to sort of put a hold on treatment. And that's a very difficult and hard and not only hard on your health, but hard psychologically to handle if you're in the middle of cancer treatment. And so because of COVID-19, so many people didn't get to have their regular ongoing appointments with their oncologist or even their primary care provider. So that's frightening because if we have 85% of the people who weren't able to access cancer care and possibly get diagnosed earlier in their stages of cancer, and we know this has gone on now for six or seven months, that provides a very frightening outlook for the next several months when patients are going to be able to go back to their primary care doctors or their oncologists. So we may see a bump up of cancer cases only because people couldn't access their care as they wanted to and needed to. So that's part of the reason why I think Answer to Cancer is so timely right now. We are doing something different with Answer to Cancer. We've done in a, a live events in 2016 and 2018, and we've done them here in the Portland metro area. But now we're going to do a full-on virtual conference, which will open up the event to so many people who don't even live in the Pacific Northwest. You know, once you go online, you become open to the world. And who knows, maybe people in Sweden and Afghanistan and Mexico and Salem and Eugene be able to access this great cancer information that we're getting, that we're putting together. So that's another reason why it's timely is that this content is now going to be presented in a way that absolutely opens access and information and support and resources for people going through. And it's not only it's only patients. You know, we we understand that so much of the cancer journey is felt and experienced by the caregivers, by the spouses, parents, adult children, friends and family. So many of people around us experience our cancer along with us. And that certainly proved true in, in my case. And so it's open to anyone or if someone just wants information for a, for a friend, it's open and, and it's free. Content is provided all free. So what kind of content and information is going to be available through the uh, Answer to Cancer digital event? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So what we did is we went to the large cancer oncology physician and provider network, and it's called the U.S. Oncology Network. And they have a very large operation, if you will, office here in the Pacific Northwest. They have several offices here in the Portland metro area, as well as Vancouver, Washington. And we went to them and said, we'd like to partner with you to offer this huge virtual cancer resource event. And what we decided we would do, we did this with a live event. We brought all the cancer resources that we could, and we brought it under one roof in one day. Well, now we're bringing it onto one virtual conference portal all in one day. And the kinds of information we're going to be providing, I can just kind of quickly go through the agenda. The dates for the conference are October 2nd, Friday in the afternoon, and then most of the day on October 3rd. But the really cool thing about going online is, we're going to make all this content available before October 2nd and 3rd. And so you can log on to the portal, just go on to the portal a week before, and you can watch some of the presentations that physicians are giving. So in a sense, we're kind of making it a DIY, a do-it-yourself conference. And, And I think it's In this day and age, it sure would be unrealistic for you and I to expect any patient, especially a patient going through chemotherapy at this time, maybe doesn't feel well or has fatigue. It's not reasonable to expect them to sit at a computer for eight hours straight. So we're going to open up the content and make it available. They can watch it on their own schedule. So we're calling it kind of a DIY. But to kind of answer your question, we have over 25 physicians as well as a whole myriad advanced practice providers and licensed clinical social workers and advocates and experts who deal with oncology and who help patients all day long every day as part of their job through their cancer journey. I'll just really quickly, I'm going to read this because it's a lot to remember, but I, and I, so I want to, I want to say it clearly, but it's really to help people with information specifically about their cancer diagnosis, whether you're a lung cancer patient or a colorectal cancer patient or a leukemia or lymphoma patient, whatever kind of cancer you have, we're going to have a physician and providers available who can help you there. We're going to have more than 25 physicians uh, available as well as advanced practice providers and licensed clinical social workers and advocates and people who are an expert in how to work with your insurance, how to get financial assistance, how to understand more about the kind of cancer that you have. We have specific sections and sessions dedicated to your particular kind of cancer. So if you have lung cancer or lymphoma or colorectal cancer or whatever kind of cancer you have, those cancers each have their own unique treatment pathway and research happening and clinical trials for those kinds of research. So we want to make sure you get dialed into the most direct information and most comprehensive information that you can get about your particular diagnosis. We're also going to have a lot of information about the current research going on about genetics and genomics. We're going to have information about treatment pathways, about medication and therapies that you may be interested in, as well as how to access cancer services, how to advocate and how to be your best advocate as you're going through your cancer treatment. And then our whole afternoon is what we call palliative palooza. And the word palliative kind of throws some people for a loop because some people think of when they hear the word palliative care, they think of the old definition of palliative. 
palliative care, which often is associated with hospice. But what palliative care really means is that how to effectively manage your symptoms and your situation. So when people go through chemotherapy, oftentimes they have what they call chemo brain. They have chemo brain. They might have some neuropathy. They might have fatigue. They might have sleep issues. So there's a whole range of symptom issues. Also, people, when they get diagnosed, if they're young like me, they find themselves asking, I don't know how to talk to my family members about my diagnosis, or I don't know I have to go to work. How am I going to work? Or how do I talk to my coworkers about my diagnosis? Some people, when they go through cancer, in some situations, there's grief and loss. So maybe grief or loss for functions that you no longer have. Your body has changed. Your quality of life may have changed. So there's some reckoning to do with that. So we call it palliative palooza, which is the afternoon session. So we're going to do both offer some sessions ahead of time. And then we're also going to offer live sessions throughout the day and just some sporadic times where you can actually dial in live and ask questions directly live in person, real time of the providers who have expertise in some of these. So we're going to have also going to have mentors or people like me and others who have gone through your cancer diagnosis. We're calling those the share teams. And you'll get to dial in live to the share teams and you'll get to meet with someone who has your kind of cancer. And so you'll get to ask questions. How did you make it through this? What happened when you did this? And so just really, it's just going to be some help for people who've gone through through it before you and can give you some real life, you know, advice and help and support and resources. So we'll have an abundance of help and education available throughout the day. So, I mean, there's a lot of information there. So to boil it down a little bit, there's going to be um, DIY, like on demand type video that you can just go watch whenever you want. This is all free. Yeah. Right. And then also you're going to have some live sessions where people can ask questions or they can meet with somebody who is a cancer survivor who's had their type of cancer before and get some kind of uh, support and information about your experiences that you had if you're, you know, one of the mentors and you call them the care team. Is that right? Share teams. Share teams. Okay. So one thing that you had said is before when we were talking is that cancer is, is, is a team sport. What do you mean by a team sport? Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, I learned that day one, and that was one of the most enduring lessons. And that's what, you know, that's what we tell people, too, is that you will not go through your cancer alone. I'll tell you a story as soon as I answer your question. But one of the things that I do advise people, and I talk to a lot of people who are newly diagnosed, and I give a couple pieces of advice. Number one is that the minute you hear or someone you love hears that they have cancer, the very first thing I would encourage them to do or you to do is get a referral to an oncologist. And your oncologist is someone who you're going to want to feel very comfortable with. And what happens is your oncologist sort of acts, if you can think of like a traffic manager in the middle of an intersection with his or her whistle, your oncologist is going to be the traffic manager for all your cancer care. Because again, depending on what kind of cancer you have, you may need chemo 
chemotherapy or you may need radiation or you may need surgery or you may need other kinds of therapy, other kinds of medications. And so I always recommend getting a good oncologist to start with. And then at your first few appointments or all your appointments, what you want to do is take someone with you, sort of a trusted advisor. Maybe that's a spouse. Maybe that's a sibling. Maybe that's a parent. Someone who can help you listen. And then I was so glad I did that because when I had my first medical procedure to determine, while cancer was suspected, I needed a medical procedure to determine if I, in fact, had a diagnosis of cancer. And I'm so glad my husband was with me because I was, even though it was a day procedure, I was coming out of the anesthesia and not entirely there, still a little bit foggy. And the physician who did the procedure came in and told me they had found a mass and I was still a little bit foggy and I wasn't completely dialed in and the news was shocking to me. And it's a little bit of a kind of a post traumatic stress syndrome story where you get told you have cancer and you almost don't hear anything else that's said during that conversation. And I have heard that said from time and time and time again, that that you hear the word cancer and your world and your mind goes blank. So when uh, I took my husband with me and he was very gracious to, to come along and he helped me so much during my journey. But when we got home, he and I sat down and we rehearsed what and talked about what did he hear? What did the the physician say? What did I hear? And it turns out I didn't quite grasp enough of what the physician said about what had occurred and what I needed to do going forward. So it's a very much a team sport. So I always advise people definitely have someone with you. I've gone into initial consultation appointments with friends who got diagnosed because they know I've gone through it and I knew the questions to ask and I could be clear headed for them. So I will tell you a little bit of a story. Another way that I learned this is before, even a couple months before I was diagnosed, it was the month of October and all of us remember and know October as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So the local Coleman Foundation was running a special section in the newspaper talking about women's stories, women who had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I didn't have breast cancer, but for some reason, some of the stories were interesting to me. And so I sat down and I read some of the stories. And this one woman wrote a story, and I'm just going to summarize the first few sentences of the story. And she said, the most interesting thing happened is that when I got my diagnosis of cancer and I began to share it with my family and my friends, you know, you'll share it in kind of a concentric circle. So you share with the people closest to you and then people, you know, out that you aren't as close to. And so you you kind of share it like that. Well, this woman, when she began to share her story of cancer, she was surprised at the reaction she got. People that she had known and loved all of her life, her nearest and dearest, her best friend, her best friend kind of strong armed her. Her best friend wasn't able to help her or manage the news of her diagnosis. And she said her best friend became scarce during her treatment and didn't text her, didn't call her. And, and, and she found that so troubling. And then other people that she knew and loved, you know, were there for her. And then on the other side of the spectrum, people that she didn't know very well, you know, were colleagues or people that she wasn't so familiar with. They came through for her in spades. They brought her, you know, food and they helped her with her gardening. And I found that story so interesting. And so uh, about a month later, I got diagnosed.
diagnosed myself. And so around Thanksgiving, I told my best friend who was visiting us for the holiday and I told my best friend and wouldn't you know, my best friend did exactly the same thing. She she maybe wasn't able to carry that baggage and she couldn't handle that diagnosis. And so she became pretty scarce. And I I certainly didn't blame her. And we're best friends to this day and I don't hold it against her. But then I had a workmate who I really didn't know very well, who came over and did my gardening, who brought dinner over. And so that's proved so true for me. So I realized that when I started to tell people about my cancer, what I had to learn was that I often had to be the strong one in that conversation, even though I was the patient and I was the one going through the diagnosis, I had to be careful about the communications and, and, and be, you know, cognizant of the communications that I was giving. So, so when, when I say cancer is a team sport, it's clear that you need to get people on your team who can be there for you, who want to be there for you, who are willing to help you understand what you'll be going through, who are willing to be patient and uh, willing to certainly help you find the resources that you need. And you'll be, you may be surprised at people that you didn't expect who will be there for you in spades and will be willing to help you. And so you, just keep your mind open and these the helpers will appear. Isn't there an old expression that says when the student is ready, the teacher will appear? And there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I think there is. And I mean, you see that a lot too. I mean, on the podcast, we specifically have talked about helping businesses get through COVID, right? We haven't right. talked at all really about what happens to people in medical situations or personal situations and stuff like that. Um, But you have seen people step up, at least in the business communities to kind of help struggling businesses and just some of the help that, that people have gotten is amazing. And and we've seen some people who are business owners that have had some medical conditions or or medical issues and just seeing everybody in the community step up to help them is really fantastic here locally. So let me ask you this. What do you think are the most important lessons that you've learned so far? Oh, goodness gracious. There are some great lessons. Number one, we just talked about cancer is definitely a team sport. I have learned that people, again, back to the engagement and empowerment uh, piece, and that just doesn't even go with cancer. I mean, you may have another chronic disease, you may have diabetes, you may have chronic fatigue syndrome, or you may have another diagnosis or someone close to you has that diagnosis. And so getting your team together, if you will. And then, and then what I've also learned is that people are so hungry and willing to share their story. And because I want to help the person behind me and I have, I'll tell you another story. I have a dear friend and she is not a super extrovert. She's a little bit of a, she's she's a little bit of a private person and we've been friends for almost 30 years now, but I know her to be very private and she got diagnosed with breast cancer and she told me, she confided in me, she was well into treatment before she shared it with me. And one day she shared with me that she had been diagnosed and so she and I chatted about it. She says, I just don't want really anyone to know. And I said, I totally understand that. I said, she felt it was very private for her. She didn't want people to know. She didn't want to tell people. She didn't want to tell her boss. She didn't want anyone at her company to know. And we talked 
talked a little bit through that about how it was possibly more realistic for her if there were a couple people that she did want to share it with. And I said, because as treatment progresses, you may have days where you don't feel so well, or maybe your performance isn't going, your work performance or your work productivity isn't going to be at the highest level that it could be. Right. And I said, you, you want to learn now to kind of cut yourself some slack. And so over time, we talked and she began to feel comfortable. And it wasn't very long where she realized that her story and what she was experiencing in her breast cancer treatment was worthy of her sharing. And now she's more than willing to share her story about what she went through. So a lesson I learned is that, you know, people are willing to share and they are willing to to help you get in the right direction. A lot of the participants that we'll have at this Answer to Cancer are other cancer organizations like American Cancer Society. They have a myriad resources. They have a ton of resources that people can get out that they need and they're all online. And so one of the lessons I learned is where are all the resources? Where do they exist? And that's also what we'll be providing at the day of Answer to Cancer. We'll be providing that information on our on our web portal as well. So again, you can access it. We're probably going to try and get the web portal open probably around the last week of September. So people can register now, though, and the sooner they register, the more they can start getting the information they need to get ready to partake in Answer to cancer and we welcome you know it's free it's all free content and won't cost you a thing and so we want people to to really uh, know that this is happening it's answer to cancer.org for those of you listening who can't see the banner behind diane here you know it's interesting you were talking I should, let me point let me point out if you don't mind me interrupting sure. you that answer to cancer.org is where they will go to register and they can also get right. some background on the organization of answer to cancer but the where they will actually see the conference is actually going to be on answer to cancer.com and that's what we're calling the portal answer to cancer.com so make a note of that that portal will probably be open oh i would say maybe around September 25th or maybe earlier. And like I said, if you go to answertocancer.org, you can register right away and you'll be on our email list. And then you can get all the information as soon as possible about when those resources are becoming available. Right. And we'll, we'll put those in the show notes too, so that everybody can get them or the links. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can click down there and get a link to go to either website. You had mentioned about people, you know, and, and work performance and stuff. And this is something that I don't think that you know about our company is that we had a lady named Terry Locke who ran a web design firm and she had been diagnosed with cancer and then she had treatment. And after, while, while she was going through kind of the end of her treatment, she was unable to support her clients any further. And what we did is we actually hired her and we took over all of her clients and we did all of the updates for her and just gave wow. her all the money, right? And then she was able to help them through. And unfortunately, she did work for us for about a year and a half. But unfortunately, she she had a recurrence. I don't know what you call it. I don't know what the exact terminology is. And and she did. She actually ended up passing away from her oh, cancer, sorry. unfortunately. But, you know, as time went on, she she found it more and more difficult to be able to do work. And, you know, without having, you know, a partner or someone there to help her, she her company would have folded. Right. right. So you do need you know, some kind of a partner, someone there to help you because, right. I mean, 
you don't know kind of what your situation is going to be later. Right. right. And I exactly. think that's, of course, I don't want to scare anyone. Right. But right. it's always better to prepare. Right. I think a great step in the right direction is going to an event like Answer to Cancer and finding out some of that information ahead of time and getting some of those answers. And I wanted to maybe just to kind of reiterate for people, if they know of someone who is, is it recently diagnosed people, maybe their families, caregivers, who else would be someone who should be going to an event like this or registering for this event? Yeah, so here's one thing we know, and I'm I'm so sorry sure. about the about Terry and up to hear her passing away. And that's an incredible story, Matt, of how much that support meant to her when she needed it most. And that's again that underscores a little bit why cancer is a team sport because as I was going through my cancer treatment I told my boss very early on he was the owner of my company and and he was and fantastic he was absolutely fantastic and at one point after my cancer metastasized and I entered my second sort of phase of cancer treatment about 18 months later I came to him and I said I have tried so hard to keep my work up to the same quality and I said and I have gone through this wall I've been going through chemo and I've been sick and I am so tired and I'm going to be going through another round of treatment and he said you take a sabbatical and he said we'll manage the client's that you would normally work on. And he said, you just go get better. That's mostly what we care about is you go get better. And that gave me some breathing room. So I took about a six week sabbatical and that allowed me to gather my strength and sort of marshal my resources and, and, and get my brain back, you know, my, get my, get my head squared away and come to peace inside of myself with what I was having to go through. And so I like, like Terry, I had a fantastic boss as well on that. So, so that's kind of that piece. And I don't know, did, did I answer your question? Well, I was kind of just reiterating for people who may be watching or listening, who are the people who, who should be signing up for this event? Right, exactly. And sorry, I didn't get that second piece there. I would say that definitely, as we mentioned, you know, people going through cancer, caregivers, spouses, families, like you said, anyone who knows someone going through cancer. And certainly we we invite, you know, case managers and people anywhere in the community that work with cancer patients at hospitals and discharge planners so they can do a better job of helping patients. You know, there was one piece of advice that nobody gave me that I didn't learn until later that I wish someone would have told me, and this is going to be some of the information we're going to provide at Answer to Cancer, is the, I wish someone would have told me the very first thing you should do is call your insurance company. Now, mind you, I have was blessed with very good insurance, and and so that's very good. That was good, but still cancer is expensive because you have your co-pays and you have your additional fees, and so even if you have great insurance, cancer is still not a cheap endeavor by any stretch. But I wish someone would have told me to call my health insurance company because what happens at health insurance companies is they um, dedicate um, a lot of resources to patients who are going through cancer. It's obviously a very expensive disease because of the amount of health care and the amount of time you're going to need that health care. We know, for example, that the average cancer case 
from when you start from being diagnosed to as you move through your different treatments, your, the average cancer case is 21 months. So that's pretty close to two years. So that's a two-year commitment that your health insurer is going to be making to you. And what they do is, and this is what my health insurance did, and I think most health insurance companies do this, is they actually assigned me a case manager. And that case manager was an RN, a registered nurse, and she was wonderful. She called me and checked in with me at first about once every few weeks, and then it was every quarter. And she called me and said, hey, how are you doing? How's the treatment going? Are you following your physician's instructions? Or what else do you need? Do you need some nutrition help? Do you need other advice? Do you need other resources? Is there anything we can do to help? And so she was kind of my case manager, almost like a navigator, what they call a navigator, a patient navigator. So she helped me to access resources that I didn't know existed. So we certainly encourage um, in the community, there are navigators, there are case managers, you know, employers. Employers should be there to help their employees and learn about, you know, what's going on in terms of cancer in the workplace and what some of the best ways are to manage someone who's sick in their workplace. And how do you manage for that person's coverage? We actually are going through this right now. I'm active with a large local association, the community. I, I don't think I should say who, but it's a small organization in the community. And one of the executives at this very small organization has COVID-19 and he's had to be hospitalized and they don't know when he's going to come back. He's very sick. Well, his he's it's a very small organization and he's got a lot of responsibility and a big job description in that. So missing him is crucial for this small organization. Well, it's like cancer and you you may have someone in your em- employment or someone who's among your employees going through this. And again, it's also a good reminder for a patient, uh, you know, for your employees that might be going through other kinds of diseases like chronic care diseases, like I said, like diabetes or or something right. else like that. So so this information certainly applies to chronic diseases as well. So, you know, we're going to be talking about a topic that everyone, whether you have cancer or not, will appreciate. It's called resilience. Resilience and wellness. That resilience is coming up more and more needed, certainly during this time of the pandemic. And so a lot of the topics won't just pertain to cancer, but will be helpful. And we have talked on the podcast before about kind of galvanizing your business against the unexpected is something you can do. Like nobody expected a pandemic to breeze through, right? Right. But there is ways that you can prepare. And some of those things are making sure you document those processes and procedures and stuff that, you know, people like an important person and organization has so that somebody else can take over some of those responsibilities if they need to. So one thing that happened after we had our first conversation about your event I actually had a meeting the next day with one of our clients and I brought it up with them and I said, Hey, you know, before I go, I just wanted to mention, we're going to be working with Answer to Cancer, promoting this event. It's a free event. It's for, you know, people who are recently diagnosed and their families, caregivers, et cetera. You know, would you guys be interested in, you know, helping out? Maybe we could post on your social media, put it in your newsletter or something like that. You know, we can look at maybe a financial contribution if that's something that interests you. And they're like, absolutely, we'll help. And my sister had cancer and this is what happened. And they told me the whole story. And I mean, it was just like immediately they wanted to help. And if you are, you know, watching this on YouTube or you're listening on a podcast or something right now, I want you to think, how can your organization help us get this information to the people who need it? 
Okay. Right. Because if somebody is going through this, it's a very rough time for them. Right. This is very important information. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. It's doctors and real medical information and advice that they could get. They could talk live with people. They can get the assistance that they need. So if you can do some kind of in-kind support with us, maybe go to Answer to Cancer on your favorite social media or go to their website and look them up, share their posts about the event, share the registration link. If you know somebody who has, you know, been diagnosed or has a family member, please approach it, you know, nicely, right? We don't want to, yeah. we're not trying to out people's medical history here right, in the office right. kind of thing, but, <laughs> you know, but yeah, if you can feel free to contact Answer to Cancer or contact us at the podcast or hookseo.com. If you're interested in maybe sharing something in your newsletter or you want us to put together something for your social media, we'd be happy to do that for you. Can I add sure. one more thing too? Go is ahead. that um, and thank you for the thank you for the encouragement and the support right. from from you and Hook SEO and your team there. I will say that we are, as you mentioned, we are a five hundred one c three, and we do we actually take a hundred percent of every dollar raised goes back into providing help and hope and courage and resources for people going through cancer. So the speakers and the all that people that are active and, and involved in the organization and in putting on the conference are kindly and generously giving of their time. But it does take some money to be able to put a conference on like this. And right. so so we absolutely thank you. We do we would welcome any and all support $10, $5, whatever. We definitely do, you know, and, and that's all the generosity of the contributions that we get allows us to provide all of this content for free. We don't want any barriers to exist for people to access this information when and how they need it. So I wanted to throw that in to let people know that that their dollars are always going to be well spent. Right. And it's honestly, you know, I've seen the plan. It, it's a very smooth setup. It's going to be very easy for someone to access content and the information Basically, they fill out a registration form. They'll get contacted of how to get into the conference and how to get the on-demand kind of video right. content, as well as how to get on the live show. There's a, a phone number that they can call if they need help registering. Right. So there's 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 resources available to make it as easy as possible for people to get the help that they need. And the last thing that I wanted to ask you, and I mean, you may have already sort of answered this, but I wanted to ask you if there's anything that I haven't asked you yet that you think would be relevant for our listeners about Answer to Cancer. Oh, goodness. Where does one start? I think we've had a great conversation. I have a hundred stories that I could easily share. But, you know, it just goes back to the fact that I had once I was diagnosed and friends really helped me and people helped me. And that's why these kinds of cancer services are so successful, because the need is definitely there. And as I mentioned, now that COVID-19 short term sort of stopped people being able to get access to the cancer screening appointments that they need, this is more timely than ever. And we certainly would love to see the incidence of cancer go down. So if you think about it, you know, do a little bit of research and try to adhere by the prevention advice that you can get so you don't get cancer. We know that cancer is environmentally caused. It could be caused by family connections or other hereditary factors. And so cancer, it's not a disease anyone wants or that they choose. I, I've heard it said, you don't choose cancer, cancer chooses you. But the experience can be 
life affirming and can be an, an excellent opportunity for you to know who in your who's in your tribe and, and who right. is there to help you. So I appreciate this time, Matt, and I'm so glad to work with you and your awesome team at Hook SEO. You are so very successful at what you do, and I feel Answer to Cancer is in good hands That now that you and I have formed a partnership to, to promote the program, and I am I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of new people in the next several weeks and on October 2nd and 3rd and before with our Answer to Cancer work we're doing. Right. Thanks, Diana. I appreciate that. And to all our listeners out there, definitely check out answertocancer.org. Check them out on your social media. You can get your show notes at hookseo.com slash podcast. And I am challenging you to see if you can find someone in your network who needs help and make sure that they are aware that this help is available to them. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Diane. Thanks, Matt. Have a great weekend. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.